All right. In this session of the listener's commentary on Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, we come to a very short section in chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. It's a very small little short section about one specific topic that, for whatever reason, seems to have been a, a an issue for the Thessalonian church. The reason I say that is because it shows up here in 1 Thessalonians, and then uh, it seems to have become a bigger deal by the time Paul wrote Second Thessalonians, like they misunderstood some things or what he had said here and briefed and deal with it all. So he has to deal with it in even greater detail again there. And so we're dealing with the topic here of brotherly love, work ethic, and providing for your own needs and the needs of others. That's sort of the general topic that's all kind of mixed together here in these few short verses that Paul deals with briefly here and then deals with again in 2 Thessalonians. And bear in mind that we're in that second major part of this letter where Paul deals with instructions on Christian living for the Thessalonian church. And oftentimes in this type of section of writing, you get kind of topic and then topic and then topic. So we just had the topic of sexual holiness. Now we get to deal with this specific topic, and then we'll move on to another topic. And that's sort of the way this section works. It's sort of strung together with a loose collection of things that Paul feels like they need some instruction on in order to live faithfully as God's people and to walk in a way that would please God. So here he begins by addressing brotherly love, but it's tied together with working with your hands and um, making sure you're meeting the need, your own needs and the needs of others. This is what he says, verse 9. Now, as to the love of the brothers and sisters, literally uh, now concerning Brotherly love. That's literally what he writes. Now concerning brotherly love. New topic, in other words. We're going to talk about brotherly love here for a second. And that word for brotherly love is Philadelphia in Greek. You can hear the uh, English word for the American city, Philadelphia. It's the city of brotherly love. Well, that's really just a Greek word, right? Philadelphia is the word for brotherly love. And outside of the New Testament, it's, it's almost exclusively used for literal love between siblings, between brothers and sisters, right? Um, In the New Testament, it's regularly used for the kind of love Christians are supposed to show to each other. So when we say, now concerning brotherly love, we're talking about love amongst the brothers and sisters in Christ, because we're a family, and the New Testament regularly uses family language, family words, family imagery, and even some family values to describe the way Christians ought to interact with one another. After all, we have the same Father. 1 John chapter 3, 1, right? We're all born of God, and He is our Father, and thus we're all children of the same Father in Christ. And so we are to love each other with brotherly love and sisterly love. We're to love each other with the same loyalty, the same affection, the same devotion and steadfastness that is supposed to characterize healthy, good family-type love. So now concerning brotherly love, he says, you have no no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And so he says, now concerning brotherly love, really, I don't, I, I shouldn't even have to write to you about this. I don't really need to write to you about this, because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Uh, that phrase, taught by God, is actually one word in Greek, uh, just a compound word of the word for teach and God. And this is the only place it's 
used in the New Testament. Um, and it seems to be this idea that uh, because we have we've responded to the gospel and the gospel centers on the love of God in Christ that God has now taught us the significance of love. Like you've been taught by God to love one another. We, it shows up in the teaching of Jesus. It shows up in the very experience of the gospel that brotherly love is at the heart and soul of everything it means to be a Christian. And so you have no need for anyone to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. This is part and pot. Uh, part and parcel of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to have responded to the gospel. And thus, Christian love for each other ought to be second nature to us. That's sort of the force of what Paul is saying here. It ought to be second nature to us. Now, Paul knows it's not. He's done enough ministry and he's worked with enough, enough people that uh, love is hard. It's not easy. Even if we know how to do it, we're not always good at it. It takes a certain formation of character for us to love people all the time consistently. Yet, we know as believers, it's an expectation of us. We know it's the right thing to do. We know it ought to characterize our life together as God's people. And thus, we don't need anyone to tell us that. We just need to practice it until we get really good at it. That's the force of what Paul is getting at here. Verse 10, he says, for indeed, you practice it towards all the brothers and sisters who are Macedonia. And so you don't have anyone, you know, you don't need me to write to you. You've been taught by God to do it. I see evidence of it already in your life. For indeed, you practice it towards all the brothers and sisters who are in Macedonia. In, in some sort of way, the Thessalonians are demonstrating practical Christian love to the other believers in the neighboring cities around them, in Philippi, in Berea, in maybe Amphipolis or Apollonia. Paul didn't do any ministry there, pastor them, but who knows, maybe there's churches there. In other words, you're practicing it towards all the, your fellow Christians there in the, the cities of Macedonia. But, middle of verse 10, but we urge you, brothers and sisters, to excel still more. Same phrase he used up above with regard to walking to please the Lord. You walk this way, we want you to excel still more. Here, you already are practicing brotherly love. Now, practice it even more. Continue to get better at it, right? Continue to do it more consistently, more regularly. So you're practicing it, excel still more. Um, verse 11, he goes on and says, As you're excelling in love, excel still more. And here's a specific application of love that may not be immediately obvious to us. Uh, and maybe it wasn't to them, not sure. But it's something that he wants them to work on. And to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we instructed you. So as you're excelling in love, here's one way it should play out for you. We want you to make it your ambition to lead, uh, lead a quiet life. And what it seems to mean by that, when you read it in pairing with 2 Thessalonians, is don't be busybodies, don't be agitators, don't be stirring up trouble, right, for both inside the church and outside of the church. That seems to be what he means by lead a quiet life. I don't want you to be a, a bothersome person. I don't want you to be a troublemaker and somebody who, who stirs up trouble and who's a busybody, right? So you're not constantly, right? going around gossiping, sharing stories. Did you hear about so-and-so? You're not doing that. You're not stirring up you know, conflict and arguments and all that. You're leading a quiet life to attend to your own business. 
we would say mind your own business, right? Like you're minding your own affairs. You're not butting your nose in where it doesn't belong, right? You're not getting involved in other people's business. You're minding your own affairs, taking care of your own stuff and work with your hands. So he wants them, you do your job. You get busy. Um, be busy, not a busy body. We want you to work with your own hands so that you're busy, right? Idle hands are the devil's workshop is an old maxim. And Paul seems to be concerned about that, that if you're if you're not busy and if you're not working and you got all this time on your hands, then you run the risk of stirring up trouble, being a busybody, not minding your own affairs. That's contrary to the spirit of love. That's contrary to brotherly love. So work with your own hands. Find something constructive, practical to do, just as we instructed you. Not only did Paul instruct him, he modeled it for him. You read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he modeled it. He talks about how they worked with their own hands to provide for their own room and board, right? They didn't mooch off other people. And when you read this section in pairing with Paul's further instructions in 2 Thessalonians, um, you see that that was sort of the problem. There were people who were mooching off the generosity of Christians. They were mooching off of the benevolence and the love of their brothers and sisters. Rather than working, they were just taking advantage of other people. And so Paul here is dealing with it maybe in brief. Maybe he doesn't have the full details yet. Not totally sure. But he deals with it very generally and briefly here. Doesn't solve all the problems. He's going to have to take up this topic more fully in his next letter to this church. So he says, make it your ambition. Work hard. Strive eagerly to lead a quiet life. Mind your own business, work with your hands, just as we instructed you. So again, this was part of his instruction to them. We want you to be just productive members of society. We don't want you to be rabble-rousers and troublemakers. Um, so that, he says, you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. Part of the purpose of this instruction is, one, so that you'll behave properly towards outsiders. We don't want you to be the kind of people who bring dishonor on the Lord's church because you're just a troublemaker, you're a mooch, you're a busybody, you're, you know, you're butting your nose in where it doesn't belong, and people just look down on the church because of you. So we want you to behave, conduct yourself properly towards outsiders. Outsiders are those, uh, those unbelievers, we would say, people outside of the church. Uh, so Part of the tension for Christian living is, um, you know, we don't want to seek acclaim from the word. We're not a world. We're not of this world. And yet at the same time, we want the world to at least respect us enough that we don't drag the name of Jesus through the mud, right? Like they, they need Jesus. And so we want them to respect our manner of life. And part of that is, uh, uh, one way to express Christian love in this regard is to, to to work, to be busy, to do something constructive. So so do that so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and so that you will not be in any need. Like if you're able to work, work so that you can take care of your own needs. In fact, Paul is going to say in 2 Thessalonians, if anyone will not work, don't let them eat. Don't feel obligated to take care of somebody who's capable of working, 
but just refuses to and rather live off your generosity. Um, and so Paul's expecting Christians to be constructive and productive people who take care of their basic needs of life rather than just being lazy and being mooches. That's what undergirds this instruction. And that's how it's connected to Christian love. Um, Christian love is concerned more about the welfare of others than s serving yourself. Um, being lazy, being a mooch, being a busybody is self-serving and self-interested rather than other-focused and other-interested. And so he says that you need to excel still more in brotherly love. Here's one specific way I hear that you need to work on that. Lead a quiet life, tend to your own business, work with your hands so that you'll behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. And one of the things this reminds us of is how broad the application is of brotherly love, how broad the application is of Christian and Christ-like love. I, I, off the top of my head, would not have started this topic on my own if I were in Paul's shoes by talking about brotherly love. But for Paul, working with your own hands and not being a troublemaker is an expression of Christian love. And that shows how broad this application is. And so as we grow in Christ and follow Christ, we need to constantly revisit what does love look like in this situation? What does gospel-centered, Christ-like, self-giving love call me to do in this situation, individually and corporately as a church? Another reflection from this section is really the importance of Christian living with regard to unbelievers, that our manner of life in whatever culture we find ourselves ought to be such that it's at least admirable to unbelievers, that, that we live in such a way that we behave properly towards unbelievers, that we don't take advantage of them, we don't uh, dishonor the name of Jesus among them, right? Like our, our love ought to also concern the way in which our behavior inside the body of Christ makes the name of Jesus attractive before the eyes of outsiders. And then lastly here, the specific application of working with your hands, providing for your own needs. We'll talk more about this in 2 Thessalonians since he deals with it in more detail there. But for now, it's important for us to realize that being a productive and constructive member of society and of the community is, uh, is an important part of Christian living. We don't just mooch off of the generosity of God's people. 